0: One of the things that I've noticed is that most people, a majority of people uh, in one form or another believe that aliens exist. You know, whenever you have discussions, you know, maybe they've many people have had experiences themselves in one form or another. They saw something that they couldn't identify, hence the name, Unidentified Flying Object. Perhaps they had um, more close encounter type experiences Um, and, uh, I think if you, I've seen different polls where they've, you know, interviewed large numbers of people and there's always a majority, like over 80% typically who believe in aliens and all of that, and that they're actually visiting this planet. And one of the things that I find really curious about all of that is, you know, we often think of, um, abductions and, you know, Cattle mutilations and all of that kind of stuff. And those are scary. Those are, you know, destructive. You know, you think of crop circles and all of that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, we typically point back to Roswell, you know, when all of this started. But in reality, there's reports of bizarre things like that that go back for millennia, you know, that go back thousands of years, even, you know, back to ancient civilization. And, If you're like I am, you probably have watched Ancient Aliens and some of those kinds of shows that are a blast uh, to watch. I mean, they raise some really interesting questions that are uh, challenging to explain. But uh, it's fun to read about those things and to hear about those things, but experiencing them is a different situation. It's a different story. And I've had a lot of experiences over the years that I can't explain. Um, uh, that's related to this topic, UFOs and aliens. And so I thought I would share, uh, some of what I've gone through, some of what I've had happen. Um, just, just because, (laughs) you know, it's part of who I am. It's part of me being a nerd, I guess. Um, and, uh, I love the fact that aliens are a part of our culture in a lot of respects. Um, There's a lot of conversations that we could have even about that and, you know, their presence in movies and what that could mean and, you know, so on and so forth. But I don't know that we have time in this particular uh, episode to get into that. We probably will in future episodes. But anyway, for me personally, it all became real uh, starting off with a dream that I had, a series of dreams that I had whenever I was around 11 or 12 i was uh i i don't recall of any specific reason why i would have had dreams of aliens uh it wasn't so much on my radar back then um but i had this dream i can still see a lot of the dream today like in my mind's eye as if i just had it last night um where i was in a field and i saw a ship land and uh, some kind of being, I don't know what they were, uh, leave that ship, scared the daylights out of me, as you would imagine. And so I went hiding in some woods and stuff that was nearby. And uh, I saw lights flashing and um, like really unusual lights. and, And then I woke up. And I had that dream, that exact same dream um, dozens and dozens of times over the years. Um, but especially whenever I was young. And so I can't like point to that dream and say that I was actually abducted or not. I mean, I have no proof if you want to look at it that way that I was abducted or anything like that. Um, I just found it really curious that I had a dream like that. That was a repeating kind of dream. One of the things that I've concluded over the years, you know, we think about abduction and we think about, you know, humans or animals or whatever physically being taken aboard ships and experimented on or impregnated or, you know, whatever. Um, We think about that. But one of the things that I've also realized and concluded just based on personal experience and then later reading about others' experiences is that... um, because we are spiritual beings, you know, we live in a body, we have a soul, spirit, whatever, um, that there can also be experiences that we have um, that may not affect us physically, but affect us spiritually, if you want to refer to it that way. Um, call it multi dimensional travel, call it whatever you want. Um, but I've had, again, some very interesting things that were later validated uh in some unexpected ways and i'll get to those in a little bit so in 1976 was the year of the bicentennial um, lots of celebrations i lived in a little town called upper Strasburg in pennsylvania here is right at the foot of the mountains it was um definitely secluded from the main town near where we live now chambersburg uh but really cool place to grow up as a kid Uh, because we were right there in the mountains. So I spent a lot of time hunting and fishing and my grandmother and my great uncle, and they all lived nearby. And so it was super cool. And so in 1976, it was in July. um, There was this one particular Saturday night around mid July and it was really warm outside. There uh, there was a bunch of us that were just out in front of our house. Uh, Our house was kind of like a community house so it's where all the kids came to hang out. And so we were all just out there hanging out in the street. I mean, there was zero traffic at night in you know, Upper Strasbourg, So standing in the middle of the street wasn't an issue uh, back then. And so my dad was out there, my sister and myself, and probably 30 or 40 other folks, um, you know, friends of ours and everything. And we're all out there talking. And then all of a sudden, we um, I noticed movement. In the sky wasn't sure what it was and i looked up and there was this giant huge saucer shaped object moving over the town very slow size was it was probably based on how big it appeared um, from my point of view and our point of view because everybody saw it um i would guess it was close to a mile Like a mile wide. It was a massive ship of some sort. There were small white lights around the outside edge. And then underneath it, there was a smaller set of rotating lights that were mostly red. Um, And uh, they would like rotate to the left and then rotate to the right and then left and right. And so it was like this circular. Um, movement in these lights back and forth okay there was no sound at all and it just kind of like parked over our town and just sat there now upper stralsburg just to kind of give some context upper stralsburg um it's at the foot of the mountains but it also borders a military base uh Letterkenny army depot at that time rumor had it that they were building nukes there, um, for Polaris missiles. So, um, even though as an army base, they were building, um, nukes for a uh, Navy program. Um, there were also some really strong rumors that the mountain was actually hollowed out and that's where they did a lot of the work. Um, one of my best friends in school, his father was, um, the general basically over the base or the, you know, the person who served over the base. And so he would go to work with his dad and hang out in his office and occasionally answer the phone for him. And there was a couple of times where like they had a giant map of all the locations for the depot and uh, people had to identify where they were calling from or whatever. And so there were a couple of times where he answered the phone and he couldn't identify where they were calling from. And there was a lot of other um, stories as well that you would hear locally that, you know, kind of pointed to that fact. So could it have been a, an experimental government craft? Yeah, it could have been. Um, it was huge though. I mean, it was really big. Um, and so we were all standing there watching it probably for a solid five minutes. And then I noticed these other smaller lights in the sky, these like little pin white lights. That were moving around in different areas across the valley because where we were, you could really see out um, half-decent. And all of a sudden, these little white lights just went from wherever they were and they just like zoomed super fast. Boom. And they stopped right around this big ship. And then the whole group of them, the little ones and the big one, just all kind of slowly moved out across the valley. Again, no sound or anything like that. But, you know, there they went. And so it was quite the experience, as you would imagine. But that uh, began a whole series of um, spottings and sightings and uh, that that were really unexplainable um, over the course of the next several weeks and months uh, that particular year. Um, The next day, we were um, watching television the next evening, so it had been like a Sunday. So we were watching television, and all of a sudden, the lights inside our house started going uh, dim, bright, dim, bright, dim, bright, very very rhythmic, uh, pulsing. Um, we thought maybe it was a brownout because it was really hot outside, but after a while it stopped, we didn't think anything more of it. So um, on Monday, my dad goes to work. He worked for the local school district and one of his buddies, who he also worked with, came in and he lived in the next town over, uh, a town called Roxbury, and uh, it's about five miles away. And um, so he goes up to my dad, my dad's friend, and he said, "Wayne, I saw the weirdest thing last night. I I just can't explain it. I don't know what to even think about it." And Dad said, "You know, well, what did you see?" Well. There's one of those electrical substations uh, just as you drive into Roxbury. It's on the right-hand side of the road, and this guy lives right near there. And he said that he was in his house, and his power started fluctuating, and he heard this really loud humming sound. And so he went outside, and um, he saw a a saucer-shaped craft sitting above this power substation, And there was a pulsing light going up into it. And uh, dad asked what time did he see that happen. And of course, as you would guess, the uh, time coincided exactly with when our lights were going bright, dim, bright, dim. So that was that happened literally the next day. Um, And uh, then shortly after that, maybe a week or so later, about a week later maybe not even quite a week. Um, my mom and I were running into um, one of the larger towns near us, which isn't large, but, you know, compared to Upper Strasburg, it's large, a town called Chippensburg. Uh, we, and we were going in there to get subs for dinner. Um, and uh, there was this place that we really liked to get subs from. And so uh, we had a, uh, a CB in the, um, in the truck because, you know, it was like before the day of cell phones, and so my dad had a base station at home, and uh, <clears throat> I was talking to him uh, as mom was driving over to get the sandwiches, and I saw this set of weird lights outside the the, uh, the truck as we were driving along, and it reminded me of uh an airplane, although seemed really low because the lights were spaced fairly far apart, but there were no blinking lights like you would normally see on an airplane. It just looked like the wing lights that, you know, that were on the wingtips. But um, if you imagine the lights flying in a, you know, like on a plane, plane flying forward, and you have the wing lights, you know, so the the lights would be moving forward in that direction horizontally to each other and that's what I saw but it just seemed odd and so I'm talking to my dad on the CB and I'm describing these lights and I'm like they're really weird looking and you know I I guess it's a plane but I'm not sure and I mean with the couple events that happened the previous week or so you know obviously my spidey senses were heightened and now everything is a flying saucer right Um, And so I think that's why the lights caught my eye. Uh, But I'm watching these lights and all of a sudden they do a 90 degree turn, which of course is impossible. You know, planes don't turn 90 degrees in the sky, (laughs) at least regular airplanes don't. And I flipped out. Like, I'm talking to Dad on the CB, and I'm like, It's a UFO! It's a UFO! It just turned 90 degrees, you know? And I'm (laughs) freaking out. My mom's trying to drive, and I'm, you know... Here I am, this uh, 14-year-old kid, you know, flipping out. And so what was interesting, though, is that the next day, in the local paper, um, Shippensburg was having their festival. They have... Um, it's like the third week of July uh, every year. And uh, they're fair, I guess it is, Shippensburg Fair. And uh, so the next week or the next day in the local paper, there was this article on numerous reports of like six or eight different people reported seeing a cigar-shaped object flying toward Shippensburg and uh the time again was right around the same time that i saw what i saw and so it was very very interesting and the whole summer that particular summer just continued to deliver if you will on strange sightings uh, we went over to see my aunt and uncle who lived over in, um, in this really secluded area called upper horse valley um you know it was like at that time there was like five or six houses over there, very secluded. And uh, we were over there to visit. Uh, It was about a half an hour drive uh, from their place back to our house over the mountains. And um, my dad had uh, bucket seats in the back of the pickup truck. So my sister and I would sit back there. It was summertime, so it was warm. And uh, so we were sitting back there, and all of a sudden we noticed a uh, saucer-shaped craft following us. And it followed us the whole way home. Scared the living daylights out of my sister and I. Um, you know, because on the one hand, it's cool. Because here's this thing, you know, tracking us. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, why are they doing this? <laughs> you know, are they going to come and get us and take us away? You know, uh, you know, kids' imaginations. My sister would have been like 11. So, um, it really freaked us out. And I mean, there were lights in the sky nearly every day uh, or all night, like, especially there was these um, like orange glowing lights that would randomly fly around. I mean, just, they were obviously, uh, if you think about like the brightness of Venus, they were about three or four times that bright and about three or four times bigger. So they weren't stars. It wasn't like my mind playing tricks because there were multiples of us that saw these things, but they would fly around in these random zigzag patterns and, you know, just like all over the place. And then um, one night uh, we had gone into Chambersburg, which is the town where, near where we live now and where our toy store is, and uh, we were on our way home. It was late. And uh, there's a stretch of road that leads up to Upper Strasbourg. It's about five miles, but it's a flat open area, so you can see literally to the mountains. And it's just a straight road. There's It's farmland, so it's very flat. Um, and so we're driving along, and all of a sudden, this light appears on the mountain. So this light would have been... Um, let's see, a solid nine or ten miles away, based on where the light showed up. So it was about nine miles, we'll say, away from where we were driving. And this light appeared so bright that my dad literally had to pull off the road. It was bright. And so I was sleeping. uh, Well, we were all sleeping. Dad woke us up. And I'm like, what's going on? And, like, when I first woke up, the light was so bright, I thought, like, Dad had fallen asleep into the path of a tractor and trailer kind of thing. <laughs> you know, because here's his massive light right in front of us. And uh, and then it dimmed. Well, Dad, you know, was a lot like I am, weird, you know, nerd weird. And uh, so he stomped on it, you know, and we headed straight for the mountains, drove through town, It's like, you know, (laughs) if there's something on that mountain, we're going to find it. And so, uh, we drove up the mountain to about where we thought the light would have been. And there was nothing, nothing there. Never saw the light again, but it was incredibly bright. And so that happened. There was just constant stuff like that, uh, activity in the sky, um, in the valley here for most of the rest of that summer into fall and then it pretty much ended a few random things here and there but not like it was then and then for years afterwards i never saw anything never had any experiences nothing like that it was just like boom lots and lots and nothing and then um in the fast forward to the mid nineteen nineties, and weird stuff started happening again, but in a completely different way. Um, I remember one night uh, I was sleeping. I was married to my first wife then, and uh, but still here in this house. And um, she was really sick, and so I decided to sleep out in the living room so I wouldn't move for her and, you know, wake her up because she really needed sleep. So I'm sleeping on the couch, and I have this dream that seemed, like, so incredibly real uh, whenever I was having it. And uh, in this dream, I was, like, outside of this town... Um, because there was like this big shindig that was happening because there was supposed to be first contact with this group of aliens. And so they had this, I don't know what it was. Like the townspeople built this little ship or saucer or something, but they couldn't get it. Like they weren't finished with it and the meeting time was supposed to happen and it wasn't quite done and so for whatever random reason i felt the need to see if i could help um and so i go into this ship and i'm you know trying to do some stuff and there was nobody else on the ship and all of a sudden it it like started to lift off of the ground and it wasn't supposed to be doing that and i looked up into the sky like throughout the little uh, little window it was on this craft that they built. And there was like a fleet of maybe six or eight uh, saucer-shaped objects that appeared in the sky. And um, this craft that I was on went up to meet them. Um, and so I, I wasn't excited about that, <laughs> as you would imagine. The next thing I know, I am... Uh, walking down this corridor and it's very bright Um, just everything is white I see this person it looked like they were in medical scrubs or something, I'm assuming it was a a person, but they were pushing this big, it was like a a big laundry cart on wheels and they they they're running down the hallway past me, and I just happened to look over and glance in it and there were like human bodies in it You know, just like random legs and arms and stuff sticking out. It freaked me out. Um, But I was walking down this hall, and I noticed at the end of the hall, there was this room. And uh, in the room, there was a person in there who I recognized. And he looked horrible. And um, he was hooked up to some kind of like a medical device, like a blood transfusion kind of thing, except that... Um the liquid that was being pumped into him was like a black liquid and it was going completely through his body like his blood was being transfused. Um and I remember just like I didn't actually go into the room. I was standing outside the room, but the room was all glass. So it was very easy to watch it. And what's interesting is that in the uh dream, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Um which has some bearing a little later on. Um, and so I'm standing around and I'm, and I'm watching this guy and I'm trying to figure out where in the world I am. And I realize that I must have been on like one of the larger ships that I had seen. So about this time, this guy comes up. It was a human guy, um, but he was wearing this outfit that looked like um, almost like a wetsuit that you would wear whenever you're surfing. Um, and so, but it was like literally head to toe. And, um, the only skin on him that was exposed, uh, was his face. And there was almost like a protective thing, even over that. And he walks up to me and he says, uh, he's like, Hey man, how are you standing here like that? And I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, where is your protective suit? And I looked down and I'm, I'm like there in my jeans or my shorts and t-shirt. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, I don't know how you, I don't understand how you can stand there like that. And I said, like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, your skin is exposed. And whenever he said that, it felt like every pore of my body exploded at the same time. Uh, So much so that it woke me up. And I jumped off the couch. I mean, like I woke up with a start, you know. Whenever I opened up my eyes, the entire room was glowing green. I'm not kidding. I was awake. I wasn't still part of the dream. The entire room was glowing green. It scared the daylights out of me. So I made the executive decision after (laughs) laying there terrified for several minutes uh, that I didn't care how sick my wife was. I'm going back to bed. At least I'm with another person, right? And so I went running back to the bedroom and uh, climbed to bed. But what's interesting is, a couple weeks later, we were uh, camping in Virginia. We had met up with some friends, and so we were in a tent. And um, another similar experience happened. Um, This time I wasn't on a ship, but I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was actually there camping with us, and we were talking about aliens and you know, experiences and stuff. And I was sharing with him this story that I just shared with you. And, uh, he said, Oh, well you think that's cool. Check this out. And he takes his hands and puts it on my chest. And again, I felt this like explosion kind of thing. And, uh, I couldn't move. Like I was, uh, pinned to the floor of the tent. And, um, it kind of freaked me out a little bit because you know i was like i felt like i was physically pinned and eventually i woke up and and you know so the next morning you know i see him and he comes over and we were making breakfast or something i'm like did you have any weird dreams last night or anything because you know this is what happened to me and it was just kind of funny and he didn't have anything but it was just another weird experience and there were multiple times over the years where I had experiences and perhaps you've experienced this as well where like there was this fear or terror or something I don't know what it was but it was so strong where I physically could not move like in the bed uh, usually almost always at night couldn't move pinned to the bed couldn't speak like it was like my larynx was frozen or something you know I couldn't talk And uh, those of you who know me at all, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to be in control. And so these experiences were very out of control. Were they real? Was it just a dream? Was I physically abducted? Was I spiritually abducted? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, What I do know is that they were bizarre. Um, and as you would imagine, there's more. So, um, I had a series of experiences that at the time they happened, I chalked them up. This would have been, uh, shortly after these other experiences. No, actually timeline wise, I guess these might've been before the camping experience thinking about timelines here. So it was in 1996, 1997, around that period of time, I started having a series of experiences, for lack of a better way of describing them, we'll call them visions. And I could tell whenever they were coming, um, most of the time, um, and they were very curious to me. Uh, I worked at the time as a cover designer uh, for a local publishing company, a Christian publishing company called Destiny Image. And um, the first thing that happened was I was designing a book cover and I was stuck. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't get a design that I was happy with. And so um, I had put my head down in in the office. There was another uh, guy in there working with me, Jeff. Um, Who I was training as a designer. And so I just put my head down. And the moment that I did. um, All of a sudden. I'm in another place. Very real. uh, I can see it as plainly now. As when it happened. And you're talking 20 years ago. uh, Plus. I put my head down. And I'm standing on this seashore. And it's a place that I would visit many times after this first time. Um, Matter of fact, that whole area I explored over a period of months. You know, I would keep going back to that same place and I would explore all over. There were caves there. I would go into the caves. I could describe the caves to you today, Um, even though it was that long ago. But this particular time, I'm standing on the shoreline. And there's a person standing next to me. At the time, because of where I was in life and the context of everything, I mean, you know, I was very involved in the church, working for a Christian publisher, you know, so very easy for me to anchor the context of experiences based on all of that. Not saying that it wasn't that. um, I'm just saying that very often, you know, whenever we're trying to make sense of experiences that we have we will go to whatever context we're familiar with because we don't have any other frame of reference. And so, um, so I have my head down all of a sudden I'm on the shoreline and I'm standing next to somebody. And at that time I concluded that the person I was standing there with was Jesus. Now, whether it was Jesus or somebody else, I don't know, but that's the conclusion that I came to. And so I'm standing there, and this man asks me, "What do you see?" So, what I saw was a sea, and um, like this big ocean. And off in the distance, there was these bright lights uh, that looked like a city. Uh, that's what it reminded me of, anyway. And I, I that's so. That's what I said to this person. We'll just, for the sake of ease, we'll just call him Jesus. So I told Jesus, I see a sea and there looks like there's a city off in the distance with bright lights. And, you know, I don't know what the city is. Maybe it's heaven. Maybe it's something else, you know. And he said, right now in your life, you see things based on visual sight but I'm going to teach you a different way of seeing and I'm like okay that sounds cool I don't know what that means you know and so he takes his hand and puts it over my eyes and then removes his hand and says now tell me what you see and immediately I was like hit with this beam of light And in the light, there was information, like lots of information um, to, to the point where I felt like in that instant, I knew all the secrets of the universe. I mean, it sounds weird to say, but that's just how it was. And it startled me so much because the light was so intense and the knowledge was so intense that I literally jumped up from my desk. My chair went flying across the room, and Jeff didn't know what in the world was going on. He's like, are you okay? I couldn't speak. Like, I literally could not speak. I couldn't form words. I tried, but I couldn't. But standing there in front of him, um, I felt like if you had asked me anything and I was actually able to talk, Um, that I literally could have told you the answer to any question, no matter what it was. And uh, But what's interesting is that I could literally, over time, it took me, gosh, it was probably a solid half hour until I could say any words and probably close to two hours before I could form sentences. But I could feel that knowledge draining out of me. Like, like it could, I didn't have a container that could hold it, you know, like a, a sand bucket that has holes in the bottom. I mean, that's kind of what it felt like. I, like I could literally feel it drain out of me and, uh, it was a crazy experience. Um, in that same general period of time, um, I had... Uh, another experience where uh, I would, I come home from work and I put on some violin music. There was an artist back then that I really enjoyed and I just put my head down uh, laying on the couch or like I was sitting on the couch, but I had my head laid back and I had um, this music on. And so it was very chill, very relaxing. And, uh, all of a sudden, once again, I'm in this place. I'm in another place. And uh, it was a very large cavern-looking system, except that there was this this uh, ginormous dome-shaped building uh, within this cavern. I mean, the cavern was massive, but the dome-shaped building, I don't even know how high it would have been. 30 or 40 feet high, maybe? I don't know. It was big. Bigger than what you would imagine to go over like a football stadium. It was that big. And, uh, this woman walks up to me and she says, uh, hi, I'm Ruth. And I said, I'm Tony. And (laughs) she said, oh, I know who you are. I have something to show you. And so, we go walking along and we go into this dome shaped building and we're walking around the outside edge. Well, it was inside, but around the, you know, the edge of the dome and I'm looking around and it's just full of people. And there's like people flying around in the sky, you know, or well, not sky, I guess it was toward the top of the dome and all that kind of stuff. And they're flying around and everything. And, uh, I said, what is this place? And she's like, well, we don't have time for that now. <laughs> I'll tell you later. And so about that time, my uh, one of my kids comes out and had some question to ask me. And so they start shaking my leg. Hey, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I woke up out of that experience. It was very startling almost and I'm like, what, what, what do you want? You know, a uh, very disoriented. Um, and so you know, like, can I go do whatever, you know? And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, fine. And so then I laid back down again I closed my eyes and I was instantly where I left off, like instantly. And to the point where I actually apologized to Ruth and I said, uh, sorry about that. And she's like, Oh, that's okay. I understand what it's like to walk in two worlds. And I thought, what a weird thing to say, (laughs) you know. So anyways, Ruth and I keep walking. And uh, she points me to this tunnel hallway thing. And she says, "Um, you need to go through there. And you'll know what to do after. Uh, There's somebody I want you to see. And so I go through this tunnel. And... The tunnel was really interesting because it had like these dim lights hanging down from the ceiling uh, and then there were like these 3D shapes that were moving in the air um, and like on the sides and everything and I couldn't tell what the shapes were but um, they were there nonetheless and so finally I got through this tunnel and I there's this door I walked through And the door opens up into this massive wooden room. Um, Like, I don't even know how to describe the size of it. It was just huge. Huge to the point where there were, like, trees in there and waterfalls and stuff. But yet, there was, like, wood paneling and everything. And I see this guy, again, looks like Jesus, way off in the distance. And he sees me come out and comes running over. And... And he's like uh, oh good you're here (laughs) like yes I am I guess and uh, so he's like do you want to meet him and I'm like meet who you know do you want to meet him and I'm like yes I think you know and I as we're walking over I realize again context okay that's all I have is context that Jesus is about to introduce me to God that was the conclusion that I came to then if that's really what it was I don't know I mean again, we're talking about aliens so it could be anything but Again context, you know when you don't have a frame of reference to for something your mind defaults to what's familiar Very important note whenever you're having bizarre experiences so I go over there and um this person, Jesus, says, go ahead ask him anything you want. Anything. And, you know, it's like, did you ever get put on a spot to where you think you're standing in front of the creator of the universe and all of a sudden you get to ask anything? Like, total blank slate. Boom. Nothing in my head whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, And so I look back at the doorway where I come from, and the only question that could come into my mind was, what was what was that back in the tunnel? Like, what was I seeing in the tunnel? And, so, and that's what I asked. Like, what was that in the tunnel? And immediately, I was out. I was present, awake, everything was gone. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what in the world just happened? You know, and then I started beating myself up about it. It's like, Duh, stupid, next time you're facing the creator of the universe, do not ask them what's in the freaking tunnel. You know, it's like, anything I could have asked. You know, what's the secret of teleportation? Or, you know, I came up with a lot of great questions after the fact. But it was just a very interesting experience. And I had a lot of experiences like that. Like I mentioned about exploring this one cave. And um, I went back there dozens of times. And every time I would go to a different section, I would explore it. And I chalked it all up as Tony's weird, you know, weird shit happens and, you know, and chalked it all up to that. So fast forward to a couple weeks ago. So this is over 20 years ago that those things happened. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago. And by the way, I mean, there's I'm leaving out some things just because we don't have time. And, um, cause there's other things that I've seen, like I was driving down to, uh, through Southern Virginia once, uh, on a road trip and I'm talking to Warren Whitlock. Some of you may know him, excuse me, know him. And, uh, I had this silver saucer literally fly right in front of my car, zipping all over the sky and everything. And I'm talking to Warren, I'm like, holy crap, there's a UFO out here. And he's like, what? And then we went into this long conversation about whether they exist and all that. It was funny, but so, you know, other things have happened, but. So a couple weeks ago, there's this uh, show that I watch on a site called Gaia.com. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the site or not. It's it's a really cool site that has a lot of different types of alternative thought type shows. So they talk about aliens. They talk about ancient civilizations. they talk, But they also talk about spirituality, yoga. I mean, you name it. All kinds of interesting things. Uh, it's a very, very eye-opening sight but anyway so there's a show on on gaia that i really enjoy watching called cosmic disclosure and um a guy who i've admired for years and have read his books uh david wilcock is uh uh the show host and then he has this other guy on named Corey good who is uh He's presented as a whistleblower from the Secret Space Program. I'm not going to unpeel any of that. Uh, You can go check it out. Uh, The the guy seems very, very credible. Um, And even more so after what he said just a couple weeks ago to me personally. So he's describing this experience. Oh, there's one other thing that I forgot to mention um, before I get into what Corey said. Uh, So the day after I had... Uh, the The experience of the Dome. Uh, that was on a Friday night. I get to work on Monday. Again, I'm still working at Destiny Image. And um, one of the other artist gals that I work with, uh, a gal named Nikki, um, said, uh, I had this really weird dream Friday night. And I don't know what it means. And I said, yeah, I had a weird experience that happened on Friday too but you go first. And so she starts telling me about her dream. She's like, you know, I was in this big cavern and there was a dome there and I started walking through the dome and then I was taken to this tunnel and I'm like, you gotta be kidding. You know, and I'm like, was the tunnel kind of long with lights hanging down from the ceiling? And she's like, yeah. How did you know that? And I'm like, did you see like different shapes and stuff? And she's like, well, yeah, except that they look like sculptures, like people. And I'm like, people. Oh, okay. I said I had the same experience. And I said, did the tunnel open up into a really big room? And she's like, yeah, with wood walls. And I'm like, holy crap. And so I told her what I saw. And uh, it was identical. And um, we never really concluded to why we both experienced that, if for no other reason, just for the sake of validation, perhaps. hers was in a dream, mine was in whatever it was, maybe a dream also. Uh, But anyways, it was cool. So, um, fast forward, Corey is talking about this experience that he has with this race of aliens that he's met with many times, called the (coughs) Anshar, the Anshar, and so they come and they pick him up, and um, take him to a cave system. He's walking into this, through this cave with an escort, and he's taken into, guess what, a huge domed room, and he walks into this domed room, and there's like, beings in there and some of them are flying around in the ceiling and i mean the dude literally described everything that i saw it kind of freaked me out a little bit but by the same token like i don't know him and my experience happened over 20 years ago he couldn't have made it up i've never talked about it publicly like this and then he talked about another time he was in this in this uh ship and they had to wear these special suits that look like sweatsuits because they couldn't have their skin exposed. I, like that's why I told you all of these weird experiences that I had because in a matter of like two shows, Corey described a lot of the experiences that I thought were just simple dreams and nothing else and pretty much dismissed as weird. So does that mean that I was interfacing with aliens and all of that. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. What I do know is that the experiences were bizarre enough to give me pause. And to lead me to believe that uh, a couple things. One is that there's a lot more going on than we can ever comprehend. There are things that are happening all around us, inside our planet, out in our solar system, everywhere else that we just are not aware of. Um, Some things that are, you know, directly as a result of our government and things that they're doing, some could be aliens or, well, I would say that they probably are, um, older races than us. Some, I think, have our best intentions at heart some i'm not so convinced that they do um i remember and this is uh, something that i shared before um uh several years ago probably i want to say 4 or 5 4 or 5 years ago 5 years ago i guess because i think it was 2013 i was dating somebody at the time who lives about an hour away and uh needed to get something at target uh near where she lives uh a town called Hanover and um here in Pennsylvania and so like I go to target a lot <laughs> these days I like target um especially you know toys and I go to look at toys and everything I mean I'm a toy person so hey and uh, so anyway this particular time I'm walking down the toy aisle and Uh, ahead of me like so i'm at one end of the toy aisle and if you're familiar with target at all you know that and if you've been in their toy aisles you know that they have like a wall of toys like on shelves and stuff and then the aisles kind of go out from there and then the other opening of the aisles uh, leads into the main hallway which normally is across like from electronics okay if you're familiar with target at all So, I'm coming around the aisle from the side of where, like, the games and everything are. So, at the other end of the toy aisle where I was walking, it was the aisle where they have the Star Wars toys, of course. And, um, I see this guy to my right. Well, I see a man, a woman, and a kid. So, I'm assuming that it's a family. And, uh, they were very tall, very skinny, um, and pale. Um... But the father had on his Darth Vader mask and like over his face and he was bouncing around like an idiot. And, uh, it was like, in hindsight, it's funny. Um, but at the time until after it happened, I didn't know what was going on. So he's bouncing around trying to get his kid to laugh or whatever. He's like, look at me, I'm an alien, you know, and he has this Vader voice changer thing on his face. And the the wife was not humored at all. Um, and so, I'm looking at the Star Wars toys, didn't really see anything that I, I like. The kid was maybe 10 or 11, I'm guessing, based on his height and everything. Um, and he was bouncing around, too, kind of like like an ADHD kid would be, you know, how, like, they haven't taken their meds, so they're very hyper, you know. Uh, so this kid was very hyper, and uh, so he's like all over the place. And I'm walking; I passed a dad, and I'm coming up on this ki- this kid and his mom. And all of a sudden, the mom was like slightly taller than I am. I'm five foot ten, so she was maybe six foot, six two, something like that, and. Uh, but again very very skinny like almost anorexic type skinny and uh very pale skin the mother reaches out and grabs hold of the boy by the shoulder and pulls him back to her and uh she says alexander move out of the way so the human can get by And I'm like, you know, at first you acknowledge, you know, that the mom is moving the kids so you can walk by. But then as I'm walking by, I'm like, wait, what did she just say? <laughs> what did she just say? You know, so the human can get by, you know, and it was like, holy crap. You know, what just happened? You know, and so I just kept walking like. I don't know that I want to know right now, you know, who those folks were. Maybe they were just messing with me, but she was very stern. So I don't think she was like trying to get a rise out of me or anything, but, um, it was different. And, uh, and if you go back, like on my Facebook timeline, how five years ago, um, I posted about it, like, literally right after it happened. And so, like, the phrases she said may not have been exactly it, but it was something to that effect. You know, move move so the human can get by. And uh, so does, again, does that mean that they were aliens and that aliens now live in Hanover, Pennsylvania? Who knows? You know, like, I can't say for certain. I don't, I've never taken any photos of flying saucers, although there was this one day when I was a kid, we were launching model rockets and my dad and my uncle were standing there watching and dad had my camera. So around the same period of time, I was 15 or 16 and, uh, we had launched a rocket and I'm chasing the rocket and I come back and dad and my uncle were just standing there like looking up in the sky and I'm like, I got, I found it. And i are like, oh, that's not what we're looking for. And I'm like, well, what are you looking for? And Dad said, didn't you see it? And I'm like, see what? Well, they had seen this massive flying triangle that <laughs> had gone over the town. Um, you know, I'm launching a rockets. They see this massive flying triangle, and it just flies over the town fairly slowly. And Dad's like, you didn't see it? I'm like, no, I was looking for the rocket, you know. And I'm like, so I looked over and he had his my camera around his neck. And I'm like, well, did you get pictures of it? And he looks at me and he looked down at the camera and he looks back up at me again. He's like, it never even occurred to me. I'm like, dad, come on. You know, so I guess that's like the closest I ever got to a picture. Of my dad not using my camera. Um, so, you know, I... I can't offer hard, hard, cold evidence other than my own experiences, but I trust my experiences. I trust, like, I know me very well, and I'm very um, level-headed, very intellectual, very researchaholic kind of person, and I know that um, even though some of them sound kind of fantastic, I know that they're not unique, and uh, compared to everyone else on the planet um and perhaps on another show we'll talk about ghosts and spirits because i've had a lot of those uh experiences as well but i want to take a couple minutes here we're coming up on an hour um from when i actually talked with the mic on <laughs> uh, but i want to read down through some of the uh <laughs> comments and everything uh just to see what some of you have Um, have shared Um, Christine says my friend's grandpa was head of the UFO society in Australia when I was a kid Uh, we had fascinating conversations and he showed us some interesting footage of supposed aliens and uh, she said she loved it Um, and she said when he died out of the blue everything was in order his wife didn't didn't have to worry about sorting paperwork etc it's as if he knew um and she believes that he was taken could have been and uh, jess says remember operation blue book disproved 90 percent of ufo sightings which means there were still two percent that could not be disproved yeah and there's a lot more than that um you know, just lots of happen. Um, and then Mavis says, uh, let's see, there's a UFO sighting in Shippensburg, PA, January 28th of 2016. So that's cool. I'm, I must've missed that one. Um, and Irene says, have you heard of MUFON? Of course, you know, definitely. And, uh, Gary says, uh, got in late. Uh, but have you checked out, uh, Steven Greer, um, ufologist who founded the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence and his Disclosure Project. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm very familiar with, with all of those guys. Yep. I follow them all. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Anne says, your paralysis sounds like a version of narcolepsy, but I believe you. My husband, who passed away over 10 years ago, worked for a computer company fixing a very, various other companies' computers on sites uh, that the various companies own. He worked for some government. Uh, computers near DC and he saw deceased aliens in some of the government facilities, but he never believed in aliens before that. Yeah, there's lots of stories like that. And uh, Irene uh, mentions here, uh, everything that I've read and heard, it's said that they come to you as a dream. Yeah, one thing that uh, that reminds me of something um, one night, I was this is again, probably 12 years ago, maybe something like that. Um, I was laying in bed one night in the uh, middle of the night. I'm awake. I couldn't sleep. I don't know why I was awake. But I looked up in my room and it was obviously dark because it was the middle of the night. And these uh, blue glowing spheres come into my room like through the window. And they're just like pulsing and they're floating and all of this kind of stuff. And at the time we were having a lot of really bizarre Freakish kinds of experiences happening here um, which we'll save that for another show but I was like fed up with weird at that point and so here's these glowing blue spheres and I'm like you know what I'm over it <laughs> you know I've, I've had enough weird I'm over it and so I remember sitting up in bed and pointing at those things and saying get out of my house you know like, I'm tired of this. Get out of my house. And so they start popping like bubbles. I mean, it was the weirdest looking thing. They go pop, 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 pop. You know, they're gone. And so later on, I'm watching uh, an episode of Cosmic Disclosure and Corey Goods talking about this group of beings that come to visit him in uh, glowing blue bubbles. And I'm like, great. You know, I just had these cool beings show up in my house and I kicked them all out. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's like, who knew? Um Christy says this is a very uh this is very interesting and uh Irene says I'd like to see this in a movie. Yeah, it would definitely be um bizarre. Yeah, there's actually a lot Gary mentions about um some of Stephen Greer stuff. Uh and what's interesting is that uh the experiences that I had was before I knew these guys existed. Um, so I don't feel like it was like some kind of a cognitive projection kind of thing based on research because I wasn't researching anything back then, you know, not, I mean, I, I'm involved in a lot of, uh, you know, watching shows and doing research and stuff like that now because of those things. But at the time, like I didn't know who Stephen Greer was. I didn't know who Corey good was. I didn't know any of those guys. And so The fact that uh, through their own experiences and writings they were able to in essence qualify some of the bizarre things that i had happened to me 25 years ago in a lot of cases or 12 years ago kind of validates it a little bit more to me as legit versus you know just random thoughts based on what you know pizza and what i'm reading Uh, Vicky says, that validation is so much fun. Had an experience in the Great Pyramid of Giza. And it's so interesting to hear people talk about the same experience without anyone prompting them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Anne says, uh, maybe not call them aliens, rather otherworldly beings. Yeah, I'm cool with that, uh, actually. I mean, you know, I've read and heard reports that there's thousands of races. And it's really not hard to believe if you think about it, you know, and they talk about genetics and, you know, all kinds of weird things like that, that they're experimenting on a human race and everything. I mean, you know, it's possible. I, I'm not saying that I doubt that at all. You know, some people even say, you know, that folks uh, on the earth who have RH negative blood type, you know, are definitely have been tinkered with by aliens and stuff. Well, my mom has RH negative blood, you know, so... <laughs> It's like who knows. I I told her one day I, she was here for breakfast. I was like, "Guess what, mom? Chances are very likely that you know you have some alien DNA in you." And she's like, "Well, that would explain some things." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, like me. <laughs> that would explain my weirdness." Um. Yeah, I have heard. Uh, I read about uh, Kexburg, for sure. Um, And Pamela asked, uh, do you believe in those reptilian creatures passing themselves off as humans that you generally see on YouTube? Um, Well, the reptilians aren't really the good guys, you know, like they don't have our best interest at heart. One of the things that I find, and I don't know to answer your question, could be, I mean, I've seen some of those videos too. One of the more interesting stories that I heard uh, was that the reptilians actually used to... Okay, granted, let's just given the context of what we're talking about here. Okay, so this is not first-hand knowledge. But I've heard different ones say that um, the reptilians used to rule this planet and that the dinosaurs were actually part of their genetic experiments that just didn't go the way other races thought they should. And so, in reality, while we say that the dinosaurs were destroyed by an asteroid, and there's certainly proof that qualifies that, um, could it be that some of the other aliens decided that the experiment was over and it wasn't actually an asteroid, that maybe it was, you know, an energy pulse from some ship or something like that They had the same desired end result? Who knows? But, you know, my fascination with dinosaurs... From that perspective, if they were created by reptilians, you know, thanks for the memories. (laughs) You know, made for some great movies and stuff uh, and some great toys, Uh, which, by the way, we are talking, this is off the topic, but our nerd store is opening in a couple weeks or at least we're having a block party to celebrate its opening. Um, It probably won't be officially open for till mid-May or end of May, but one of the things that we're doing just today, we ordered a couple of those, um, those T-Rex inflatable costumes. I always thought they only had brown, because that's what you see on YouTube and stuff. But they actually come in a lot of different colors. So uh, we ordered a couple of them, and uh, our, part, our block party is May the 4th, which is Star Wars Day. So we're going to have people dress up in those inflatable T-Rex costumes and have lightsaber battles. Uh, just because. You know? <laughs> it should be, you know, nerds in the area will rejoice, uh, like the ultimate nerd party. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of you are sharing experiences, which is really interesting. Um, Val, uh, Val asked a good question. She says, so how have all these experiences affected you in your life? Great, great question. So, um, one of the things that I, I would definitely say is that it, I, it's expanded my uh, consciousness in, in ways that I don't think it could have expanded uh, apart from those experiences, Um, you know, it's very easy for us to fall into a trap of status quo and believing what we're told and, you know, we're told to not question anything. Um, you know, I'm doing this because that's the way my parents did it and their parents and so on and so forth ad infinitum. And, uh, I've always been very curious, as I mentioned in the last show, um, like crazily, uh, curious. I've always questioned everything. And uh, I see that as a strength, not a weakness. You know, uh, I'm also not one who's like, uh, who's given to, um, uh, at least not easily, to worry and stress and those kinds of things. Um, That's a positive quality that has developed in me over the years that I think I would definitely attribute to some of these experiences that they've taught me that, um, you know, it's real easy to fall into a trap of stress, worry, fear, all of that. But none of those things move us forward to the types of people that we want to be. Like nobody raises their hand and says, I want to become the most stressful person on the planet because... That's what I aspire to be. Nobody says, I'm not worrying enough these days, you know. i got to find some more stuff to worry about. Like, the exact opposite is true. And the reality is that worry and stress and all, a lot of that kind of stuff is often based on fear, fear of the unknown. Um, but it's also based on fantasy, for the most part. We make stuff up in our heads that could be true, that could happen you know and like the way I look at it is that if it may not happen then why even give it the time of day like why worry about it why stress about it um, but by the same token having bizarre experiences like this it also makes you think way outside your box like okay so one of two things I'm crazy uh, maybe a couple things. I'm crazy, I eat too much pizza late at night, you know um, or something happened that I can't explain. <clears throat> and um, I remember one time uh, my first wife was very intuitive. Uh, Kristen is actually as well very intuitive but um, my uh, uh, I had an experience. And I'll just kind of close off with this because we could talk all day about this stuff. But I had an experience where my my grandmother, my mom's mom, passed years ago, you know, over 12 years ago. Um, and a few years after she passed, I was driving along and all of a sudden I get, got this um, really intense impression that she was in the car with me. Now, I could not see her. I could not physically hear her but I just had this sense that it was her and uh, I've had things like I haven't a couple times Um, again another another show but um, I'm sharing this story to make a point Uh, I said grandma is that you and she's like it is I have a message for you to give to your mother And this is shortly after my dad died. So this would have been like nine years ago. And, um, or no, it was right before my dad died. That's what it was. Because he hadn't passed yet. Um, And so I said, what is it? I mean, so her voice is like in my head. Okay. Like I could hear her plain as day. As if she were sitting beside me for real. And she said, I want you to tell your mom that i'm with her every day and that she's stronger than she realizes and she will make it through all of this and i said okay i'll, I'll tell her but at the time i'm thinking i don't know how my mom's going to take this i mean she's like very hardcore upstanding christian woman you know and so you know her dead mom showing up to her son in her in his head giving messages. I wasn't quite sure how she would receive it. Uh, and so I really hesitated on sharing that with her, but ultimately I did. And she (laughs) responded in a way that really surprised me. She's like, yeah, I know mom's with me every day. Um, which took me back, but it was the next thing that happened that really is the point I want to make here. So I said to my grandmother, I said, since you're here, can I ask you a question? And you had to know my grandmother, but her response was, uh, well, I reckon, so my grandmother is like West Virginia, you know, that's where she was born. So, well, I reckon, and I'm like, yeah, 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 this is definitely grandma. Um, (laughs) and so I said, what's it like where you are right now? Like, what do you see? And she said, I can't tell you. And I said, Oh, okay. She's like, no, it's not that I don't want to. She said, and here's the point. She said, you don't have a frame of reference to understand if I did tell you. And that really helped me see some of the other things that have happened in my life in a brand new way. Uh, like the tunnel when I couldn't discern what the moving 3d shapes were and stuff like that and so that's one thing that you know in closing here today uh, that I really want you to think about is that it's real easy to dismiss stuff it's easy Um, you know plausible deniability right but what if the, re- the reason that we can't make sense of something or we don't understand it or whatever is just simply because we don't have that frame of reference yet you know what if we just don't we can't say oh well yeah I mean that's a tree because we know what trees look like but we see something that obviously isn't a tree but we've never seen anything else like it before you know we've never seen an alien that's nine foot tall that has a square golden shaped head you know golden head that's triangular shaped you know we've never seen anything like that so it's like oh that can't be real you know and maybe we can't even see it i mean there's a story i don't know if it's true or not about whenever some of the first uh sailors came over you know whenever like columbus came and stuff that there was a high priest of the local natives that um was standing on the beach and he couldn't see anything but he noticed that there were uh shifts in the way the water was coming into the shore and eventually after a couple days or weeks I forget how the story goes now he he realized that there were ships that there was something there and he could actually see them but he had no frame of reference they didn't know what a sailing ship was with masts and sails and all that kind of stuff and so because of that it was invisible to him now I don't know if that story is true or not but it's interesting nonetheless And so that's one thing that I want to challenge you with is that, you know, chances are likely out of everyone that's here, um, most of you have had some kind of unexplainable experience. And um, chances are that you just don't quite know how to uh, process that because you have no frame of reference, no context. And so don't just automatically dismiss it. That's my point. Um, The best question you can ask is, why did this happen? Why am I seeing this? you know, uh, what is the lesson, you know, some of those kinds of things and who knows, you know, but anyway, uh, thank you again for, uh, all the feedback. I hope you're enjoying these shows. Um, we have a lot more that we're going to get into. I just yesterday in passing, talked to a friend of mine, um, a, a real dear friend, uh, who uh is a psychic. She uh was enlisted a very, very young age by the government for different kinds of things. Um she does uh tarot readings and stuff like that uh today. Um some of you may believe in that some of you may not uh but I'm probably gonna have her as a guest uh in one of the upcoming shows. We haven't worked out details yet. I mentioned in the uh, Facebook group that uh, there's a local guy here who is a legit rocket scientist. He's uh, developing a heavy lift vehicle Um, that his approach, as soon as I heard it, um, because Kristen has talked with him, um, we met his mom and all that, (laughs) but as soon as she described it, what he said, I was like, I need to talk to this guy because it is so different than, uh, and what he says payload wise they can lift is more than like the, the new um, SpaceX heavy lift uh, rocket. Uh, it can lift more than that. So I want to get him on here and talk. And um, we have, uh, we're going to talk at some point about um, DNA and ancestry and stuff. Every time I bring that up on Facebook, there's always a huge conversation around it, which I love. I mean, I'm a total genealogy nerd, Uh, so at some point in the future, we're going to be talking about that as well and a lot more. So anyway, uh, thanks for your comments and questions. We can continue the conversation in the Facebook group. Um, the replays, uh, Thumper, it's good to see you here. Um, you can, uh, watch them on SoundCloud, uh, or on iTunes, uh, as podcast um, there's links on the main website, uh, Nerd Unscripted. If you scroll to the bottom of the page, there's links there to SoundCloud and to iTunes, uh, right to where the shows are being archived. So um, you can catch them there anytime. There's no charge, everything is free. And uh, I should have the recording for this up sometime later today. So, anyway. Thank you all very much. That's all that I have now for Nerd Unscripted. We'll see you next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern.